Welcome to A Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 12, 15 through 28, called Clean Out the Old Leaven. We wrap up the first part of the text by looking at 12.18. In the first month, a reiteration now with actual calendar dates. Before we saw it was a seven-day feast. Now we have the actual calendar first given to Moses. On the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. Seven days there should be no leaven found in your houses. For whoever eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is an alien or a native of the land. You shall not eat anything leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. Now, it can't get any more clear than that, can it? And the penalty, if you decide that during that week, you just can't handle it. I got to have a bagel. And somebody opens the door and there you are. Caught with a bagel. Caught with a maple bar. Caught with a slice of pepperoni pizza. Someone's going to say to you, what are you doing? You couldn't even go a week without something leavened? And here's the penalty. It's to be cut off from Israel. There are some major views. Some believe the extreme view, this is execution. Some believe it's excommunication. There's a similar fate at Living Truth. If you steal the pastor's maple bar, excommunication. No, just kidding. (laughs) Uh, think about this. In the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, what do they do to that man? They excommunicate him. They kick him out of the church. And Paul says these words, I've handed him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. So some see a parallel there. Others would say it's stated as a fact in that God will ultimately deal with that person so that they will be cut off in whatever sense God says that to be, a shortened life, Barrenness, perhaps. This is just conjecture. Uh, There are others who say they will not share in the blessings of the promised land, eternal life. You can make your list. But it is something that would be surprising that someone can't even keep this for a week. Like, what's going on with you? And here's the larger picture. Because these are symbols of salvation, if someone can't keep the symbol have they experienced the reality? In other words, when you take the Lord's Supper and you take the piece of matzah and the juice, that doesn't save you. They are symbols. When you go into a baptismal water, the water doesn't save you. We could dunk you a thousand times in the water and it would change nothing. But if you've been saved on the inside, now the water becomes a beautifully symbolic, emblematic of what's happened on the inside, that you've been changed, you've been raised. The Lord's Supper is the same idea. In Roman Catholicism, they teach at the consecration of the Mass, the priest literally calls down the Holy Spirit, and the wafer, the Eucharist, and the cup of wine, I'm quoting them now, literally is turned into the body, soul, blood, and divinity of the Lord. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit at the end of the service. But really, that's not what's happening. Because think about it. At the Last Supper, Jesus said, this is my body. All of you eat it. 
he took the third cup of the Seder, the cup of salvation, and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Was it his blood? No. What, were they munching on his body? No. The truth of the symbols pointed to the one that was sitting there. It was not literally his body, blood, soul, and divinity. The symbols took on that rich, beautiful meaning so that when you partake in Passover and unleavened bread, when you take the Lord's Supper, when you go into the baptismal waters, you are acting out the symbols that should reflect the reality. Therefore, if someone couldn't even do that, God says, if you're not going to imbibe, if you're not going to accept, if you're not going to act out the symbols of salvation, then it is clear to me that you don't belong to me. Amen? And thus they are cut off. So we know we've passed out of death into life because we love God's people. We want to be in the sacred assembly because we belong to the community of God because we first obviously belong to him. And so someone who wouldn't do this it became very clear that their heart was far from the Lord, and that would have to be revisited. Now, all of this has been instruction given to Moses. If you take a look at Exodus 12.1, what we have is Moses and Aaron are spoken to. Uh, the Lord addresses them in the land of Egypt. And this has been all dialogue given to them by God, now passed on to the congregation. We'll move quickly. Then Moses called for the elders Zaken is the Hebrew word. It means a leader, not necessarily uh, about age here. The elders of Israel and said to them, go. This is a truncated communication of what he received. Go and take for yourselves lambs according to your families and slay the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop. If you ever wondered how the blood was applied to the doorpost and lintel, here's how it was done. Take a bunch of hyssop, which is basically a plant in Israel that grows between the rocks. It actually grows today on the wailing wall. And they, t- they were to take the branch, dip it in the basin of blood. And this particular plant was good for the application of other things. And that's how they applied the blood. So you're to take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood, which is in the basin, maybe at the actual threshold of the door was the basin. We learned last week and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel, the doorposts, and none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. Now let's take the picture of the door just for a quick second here. Last week I showed you the picture of the door sealed in the blood, and you could see that they would stroke the door with the hyssop plant on both sides and the top. There is evidence that they killed the lambs in the threshold of the doorway. And if that's the case, then the image emerges that the whole door was sealed with the blood. Now think about it. Jesus is on the cross. The Lamb of God is on the cross, and he bleeds from his head, the crown of thorns driven into his skull. He bleeds from both wrists, and he bleeds from his feet, and of course then eventually his side. All four portions of the door Sealed in the blood, if you will. Jesus is the door to salvation. And the door became this picture of being sealed from the wrath of God. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit to the day of redemption. 
We are sealed. We have the engagement ring. Literally, this is the language. The down payment of the promise of our future redemption, which includes uh, you know, the resurrection and the new heavens and the new earth. David put it this way, purify me with hyssop, Psalm 51, after he sinned with Bathsheba, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness after David fell to sin. He knew God, but he fell. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. And when Jesus was on the cross, he knew all things had already been accomplished in order that the scripture might be fulfilled. Reading from John 19, 28 through 30, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar full of sour wine, wine vinegar was standing there. And so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a branch of hyssop and they brought it to Jesus' mouth. And when Jesus therefore had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Brethren, get this. They took hyssop to apply the blood and hyssop was used to bring the sour wine up to the mouth of the Lamb of God when he fulfills all of this imagery. Amazing. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the doorpost, 23, the Lord will pass over the door. That's where we get the idea of Passover. And will not allow the destroyer to come in to your houses to smite you. Notice, Bible students, you have the Lord in all caps. That's Yahweh, twice here in verse 23. And someone described as the destroyer, which many scholars believe is a separate entity from the Lord. The Lord will not allow the destroyer to come in. Now, some people have said, well, maybe the destroyer is some sort of death angel or something like that. But there is a consensus of scholarship, at least that I've read, that believes that the destroyer is indeed a separate entity, get this, and identify him as the angel of Yahweh. Now, the angel of Yahweh is the voice that speaks to Moses from the burning bush and is essentially indistinguishable from God proper, if you will, so that the angel of the Lord is God. Most scholars believe the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is Jesus before he's named Jesus and born in Bethlehem, the second person of the Holy Trinity. Get this, if that's true, If the angel of Yahweh is the destroyer, every door that he sees with lamb's blood, he does not go into. He doesn't go in to destroy. And it may well be that that personage is himself the future lamb of God who will shed his own blood for the preservation of his people. I'll tell you what, the Bible blows my mind. Sometimes I just want to go, because I don't even know how to walk those thoughts out about what that might mean to him and his mind. But when I see the blood, I'll pass over. The destroyer won't come in. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for your children, for you and your children forever. And it will come about when you enter the land, which the Lord will give you, as he has promised that you shall observe this right. This is a permanent This is kind of like a pre-evangelism for uh, all the people of Israel to point to the coming Lamb of God. And it will come about when your children will say to you, what does this right mean to you? Why do we have Passover? Today it's like this. Why do we have to go to church? 
I said that this morning to my wife. Why do I have to go? No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say it. <laughs> do we have to? Do we have to? No, we get to. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you consider giving a year-end gift to Walk in Truth? We rely on the generosity of our listeners to help fund this ministry so we can equip as many people as possible with God's truth and show them how to apply that truth to their life. We hope Pastor Michael's teachings have been doing that for you. Would you please consider giving a gift of $20? With the help of your donation, we will continue to bring the gospel to people listening on this radio station and straight to their phone through podcast. Please give your donation of $20 now. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. Visit walkintruth.com. Thank you so much for your partnership. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for your children, for you and your children forever. And it will come about when you enter the land, which the Lord will give you, as he has promised that you shall observe this right. This is a permanent, this is kind of like a pre-evangelism for uh, all the people of Israel to point to the coming Lamb of God. And it will come about when your children will say to you, what does this right mean to you? Why do we have Passover? Today it's like this. Why do we have to go to church? I said that this morning to my wife. Why do I have to go? No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say it. <laughs> do we have to? Do we have to? No, we get to. And let me tell you what the Lord has done for me before you were born, son, daughter. I got down on my knees and consecrated this house to the Lord. You ain't paying rent as far as I can tell. And... And here's what we did. The Lord saved us. The Lamb of God applied the blood. Do you know that, here's the deal. The the blood of the Lamb, our part is to apply it. That's faith. We're saved by grace through faith. We've, We've got to apply the sacrifice. And that's happened. And he sealed our lives. That's why we go to church. That's why we do what we do. That's why we share our faith. That's why we tell of the good news that God sent his son because he loves us. Amen? That's, this is who we are. It's not something we do. It's who we are. He spared our homes. This is a Passover sacrifice, 27 to the Lord, who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel. He saved us in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians. He spared our homes. We're saved by this great salvation. And the people, notice their response. They bowed low and they worshiped. I don't know when the last time is that you maybe got down on your hands and knees. Maybe in response to God's word. But the people got down, man. They bowed low. When they heard all this, they bowed low and worshiped. And then the sons of Israel went, final verse, and did so. Just as the Lord had commanded, they followed the Lord's command. It came through Moses and Aaron, but it was God's word And they did what they were told. They bowed low and worshiped, and then they got up, and they did what they were called to do. James says, if we hear the word of God and we don't do it, this may be hard to hear, but this is the truth. We're self-deluded. If we hear these teachings and we don't obey God, and look, we're all in process, and we're all trying to sweep out leaven, and it's a battle, 
But the people got up from worship and they said, now we're going to do what God's called us to do on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday. Some final thoughts for you. When Jesus was teaching in John chapter 6, he gave He fed the 5,000, and there was some talk about him doing a sign. And a discussion began to emerge about the idea of manna, which God would provide in the wilderness. And Jesus responded, and he said, it wasn't Moses who gave you the manna from heaven. It was my father. And he began to point a connection between the manna and himself. He said, I'm the living bread that came down out of heaven. And the What I'm going to give for the life of the world is my flesh. And then he said these strange words. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And to make it even more complicated, he said, my flesh is true food indeed, and my blood, true drink. And I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He's talking about eternal life. And it's perplexed people, and it's brought out some strange views about what communion is. But then he goes on to say, this is very important, John 6, 63, he says, the words that I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Translation, don't take me literally. I'm not asking you to come and gnaw on my flesh. I'm giving you Passover Exodus pictures so that you can know that I am the truth and I've come down to save you. And do you know what happened? On that very day, many of his disciples, John 6, 66, ironically, the verse is John 6, 66. On that day, walked with him no more. They said, this is a difficult teaching. Who can listen to it? He's talking about his flesh and his blood. And they didn't make the connection. And many walked away. And Jesus turned and looked at the 12 and said, you want to go too? And Peter said, Lord, where else are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And Peter might speak for a lot of us saying, I don't get everything you say, Lord. Some of this stuff, woo! (laughs) Right? But I know I've watched enough to know that you are the life giver. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Thank you that he takes away my sin. Thank you for the Feast of Matzah, which points to his beautiful perfection. And thank you that his blood and his perfect life have been transferred to my account by faith. And simply by applying the blood to use the image by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're saved. And you apply his death, his resurrection, his perfection to my life. And I'm saved. And in response to that great salvation, which is a gift, we cannot forget it's a gift, you call me to sweep the leaven out of my house, to sweep the leaven out of my life. Father, I want to pray that you'd forgive us for the leaven in our lives the leaven in our country because we've sinned against you, Lord. And as many good things as we could count, many blessings that you've given to America, we have sinned against a holy God. And 
we need to repent of that sin and get back to our foundations. Help us to sweep out the stuff that doesn't belong there. And it's got to start with your people who are called by your name. Would you forgive us? Would you cleanse us, Lord? Would you help us to celebrate? We're a people of celebration. We want to celebrate the feast, but we want to do it with sincerity and truth and not phony malice and wickedness. Help us to be a pure people, Lord. I know some in this room are brand new Christians. Some are many years in the Lord. Wherever we are on that spectrum, would you help us to be true to what you've revealed to us and what we're learning. Help us to sweep out the leaven and replace it with love. Let the things of the Lord permeate where there was once bitterness and fermentation and spreading of that which is not good. And let us do it in light of your great salvation and for your glory. Now, if you haven't opened your heart to Jesus, this would be a wonderful time to mark the day of salvation. Each one of us have to have a moment individually where we cry out to the Lord. We believe who he is, what he said about our salvation, and we trust him. We've got to apply the blood. And so it's something like this. You don't have to have perfect words, but something like this. Lord Jesus, would you save me? Thank you that you came as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thank you that you died on that terrible cross and bled from those different places that we studied. Thank you that you went into the tomb, but you rose from the dead. You rose to save me. You rose to justify me. I trust you. Be my God, be my Lord, be my Savior, be my King. If you're a prodigal and you've kind of wandered away, and you might say that leaven is a good description of your life, been puffed up with pride and a lot of stuff is spread that you didn't want to happen. Now's the time to sweep out the leaven and get right. You've been listening to Clean Out the Old Leaven, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 12, 15 through 28. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, we would love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions based on what you heard in his teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Or maybe you'd just like to share with us how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. One more time, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, the bottom line is that we need to clean out the old leaven out of our lives. And the leaven is sin. And sin so easily entangles us. It can show up in little corners of the house. The crumbs can be everywhere. And we are called to sweep them out. And the way we sweep them out is through repentance through getting our lives right, through walking close with the Lord. He is so good, so patient, so merciful. And I pray that you're walking close with him today. Well, a big thank you to every one of you who support Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael. And the growth of any ministry really depends on the partnership of those who are uh, both believe in it, are benefiting from it, 
really both. And so I want to take a moment to say some thank yous to those who have given gifts. Ian from Los Angeles gave a gift of $120. Thank you, Ian. We got a gift from Duffy in Corona, and we appreciate that gift as well. And Angelica from La Puente became a new Walk in Truth partner. Thank you, Angelica. And Edward from L.A. also gave us a gift. Thank you, Edward. We appreciate that $45 a gift. And we got Ronnie from Whittier, who became a Walk in Truth partner at $45 a month. Um, just want to say thank you to all of you. You know, it means a lot. Um, when you're doing a ministry like radio, you don't always know about the impact. But when someone decides to give and partner with a ministry, it, it tells us something. That they've been listening probably for a while. That they believe in what's going on. And they want to put feet to that faith. You know, we can invest in a lot of different things a lot of ways. And uh, I know probably a lot of you give to ministries and support your local church and all of that. But, you know, a lot of ministries uh, squeak by. Uh, A lot of missionaries uh, are constantly underfunded. And it would be a good thing for us in the body of Christ to be thinking about how we're really trying to spend money on kingdom stuff. And the the names I just named and those of you who are already uh, supporting us, well, you've done that. And we just want to say a big thank you from the entire team and a big thank you from me and my family as well. God bless you. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 12, 29 through 51, called A Great Cry in Egypt. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.